0: Hello and welcome back fellow riders on Bus Talk, a podcast about work-life issues which crowd our minds each day. Myth-busting into reality, Bus Talk shares stories, anecdotes, observations, some tips and tricks to better your work-life balance or lack thereof. Simply put, it's a straight talk to help you cope with various work-life situations without having to reinvent the wheel. And yes, there is a lot of traffic, so it does take time. We go slow, steady and at our own pace. If this is what piques your interest, you're on the right bus. So sit back, turn up the volume and enjoy the ride. I'm your host GB and you're listening to Bus Talk. Well, hello and welcome back to Bus Talk and today I have a fascinating episode for you. It's deep, dark, layered, and complex. Yes, you guessed it. I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones. (laughs) Well, not really Game of Thrones, but stakeholder management, albeit Game of Thrones style. So in true spirit of GOT, let me give you the background first, the reference to context. Now, it's important for you to understand that there are essentially two types of stakeholders number one the external stakeholders which are your customers the ultimate stakeholder nothing is bigger greater and warrants more attention than the external stakeholder but on the other side is the internal stakeholder which in many cases could be your boss but senior management people across the board as well So, for the purposes of today's discussion, we are going to stick to the internal stakeholders who are perhaps not your immediate direct boss. Now, many of you work in MNCs uh, who have stakeholders all across the world, but mostly these MNCs have an HQ in U.S. and by that design many of the stakeholders, senior management stakeholders are based out of the U.S. What is important to realize is they have similar characteristics or situations which are similar to say if you have your HQ in EMEA or even Australia or New Zealand pretty much 70 to 75 percent identical and so when I say U.S. I also mean stakeholders who are perhaps in EMEA or ANZ. Now, you might think, why not APAC? Well, in, in a region where you have China, Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Philippines, and India, then it warrants a special episode. It warrants a separate space altogether. The mix of complexities that so many people bring to the table while being under one roof is absolutely fascinating and so we'll deal with apac stakeholder and apac management in a separate episode for now let's assume that you have a business which has hq in the us and your stakeholders are largely based out of the us now it's a, why is this a tricky situation because in most cases as per definition a stakeholder has a stake in your business. Right? And by that design, that stakeholder has a stake in your happiness, and which is precious. And so, how do you insulate yourself, or protect yourself, or navigate yourself if you don't get along well? For example, either by way of an ideological difference or maybe a personality clash, if there is some conflict between you and your stakeholder. How do you, therefore, survive the onslaught? And so, it is important to understand the tips and tricks to sustain this complex situation and emerge victorious on the other side. But bear in mind, this is the deep dark end of the pool. So, there will be many instances where something that seems right might also be wrong. Something that seems black could also be white. And that is... In summary, management. Now for all those people who dreamed of being in management, well, this is uh, management 101. This is not even, you know, the deeper complexities, which, which I'll discuss in some other episode, but complexity in stakeholder management is something which is prevalent across the globe, across most organizations. So, brace up get your swords in play sharpen your swords get your shields in in play and be ready for a fascinating episode and so let me introduce you to the star cast well in this episode you will have cersei lannister you have Jamie Lannister, you have Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister reports to Cersei, for example. Um, and you have a whole host of other characters which will feature in various uh, shape or form or size or the length of the role, as it were. It is important for you to realize that very similar instances are there all around you. You know, similar characteristics are there all around you. And so try and identify and relate to some of the characters that you hear in this episode and and see if you can spot them uh, at your own workplace. Now, it's important for you to understand and realize that while I refer to the central character, Cersei Lannister, it could well be the Mad King you know, so there is, this, these roles are almost gender independent. So it's not that you know the men managers are any better or worse, or the women managers are any better or worse. It's just an example that I'm giving so that you can relate to it. So think of the characteristics rather than the gender of the person is the upfront understanding that you need to have. So, Cersei Lannister, who is she? A senior leader in the upper echelons of management. Her strong points are sharp communication skills and adaptability to tricky situations. You know, whatever be the situation, you will have that smug look or smile slip in ever so subtly, and you know, clear evidences when you hear them speak in town halls or all hands calls when they reiterate the their top management's mission vision or initiative in such an internalized way it almost starts to believe it almost starts to sound like their own creation you know, they sound very very convincing so they're extremely good at it whether they truly believe it or not we will perhaps never know but It comes across as very convincing. So you have to give that due credit to them. I mean, a classic example is you know, after pushing the whole team for a great finish in Q4, they're like super tired after that. But come Q1, the message they deliver with the passion and power and positivity is amazing, as if Q4 never happened. And they are fresh and bubbly and chirpy like a daisy. Uh, and and they keep doing this year on year on year again and so it, it it it's something to learn so that's the positive part of it and i guess that's where the positivity ends because the difficult traits uh, are you know far outweigh the positive ones simply put having an insecure person in upper management is quite worrisome as most would agree but what people will further agree is that having an incompetent one is absolutely dangerous. So I'll explain to that with ex- that example a little more in detail. How do you know that it is worrisome or dangerous? First up, it's quite evident in the lack of management maturity. It is typically reflected in the way she conducts herself with the team, her direct team that is dropping names of senior leaders that she hangs around with owing to her being in upper echelons of the management it's a way of establishing the gravitas and the power and the control that she has in the system the subtext being please listen to me therefore because i hold a lot of power so people who report to her need to understand this dynamic very clearly while She will be absolutely pristinely politically correct about it. Every now and then you will see her drop a hint of how being close proximity to uh, the power center, she gets to learn and know and interact uh, much more and has access to power much more than her directs would ever imagine or get to that position. And it is proven when people disagree with her, hell breaks loose. She's quick to jump into conclusions and propagate a perception about this person with people immediately surrounding her, which is her directs. And the people who surround her largely are the yes ma'am, without a blink kind of people. They are wary of her style of functioning. So being vindictive is a natural way of life. The way she manages her directs based on a yes ma'am strategies, inconsistent behavioral patterns and no backbone to show against tough asks or tough situations made by other people. Sometimes the teams, for example, throw back a tough question and She, you will find her vetoing such asks. For example, classic one is say the year on year salary increment or the compensation revision. Now, if the man, if her management has said, Well, you could only get two percent, and the team says we deserve a four percent, I'm just hypothetically giving examples simply because the preceding two years they haven't got a raise. So instead of Fighting the battle for 4%, she will push forth the 2% saying, this is the way of the world. And if you don't like, then then you don't like it too bad. Deal with it. So these situations work both ways. On one hand, you could perceive that to be as an iron hand, as in managing it with a tight control. On the other hand, you are a spineless jellyfish where you have no say uh, or you have no um, uh, power or control over what has been given to you. And therefore, whatever the team says to you lands in pretty much a dead end. You simply are very clerkish, for lack of a better expression, almost like a pass-through that whatever they decide, that's what you execute. So, which defeats the purpose of so say, being a strong upper echelon management leader. And this is just the worrisome part. The dangerous part, however, is slightly more sinister. I explain how. It's the way she connects with her extended team, her skip level, as in the the directs who report to her, they also have a team, right? So therefore, this is the N plus one team I'm talking about. So what she periodically regularly does to keep an ear to the ground, as it were, is to bypass a manager without their knowledge in many cases and talk to the team, skip level team directly. Now while that might be a way to, you know, break the ice, what she does wrong in that process is asking the young people, the entry level reps in most cases, about their manager so she provides an ear a platform a forum where a rep can complain about their manager now as we all know such discussions are tricky because they are always laced with a lot of emotion and more than emotion they're laced with perceptions a common problem with most people managers are that the moment they introduce something which is not a popular decision like a hard decision like yes you have to be at work at by 7:45 am so that you can begin work at am it's not a very popular decision at least in india right and so if a rep gets an opportunity to argue that with uh, their managers manager they're most likely going to add a little more to the fact. And while the role of Sir say in that case should be, look, I hear what you say, but a policy is a policy. If in that instance, Sir say comes and says, hmm, so your manager is not being accommodative. Therefore, that is the perception she develops. Then that is, you know, is dangerous. Why? Because the subtext in this is that the team starts to believe for every problem, I can go to my skip level. I don't need to trust my manager, I need to go. So whatever little sanity, discipline the manager is trying to bring to the table is often met with a resistance. And the team displays their frustration or resistance by way of 360-degree feedbacks. These mechanisms are there where an anonymous feedback anonymous feedback can be given against your manager and so instead of it being a get to know each other better tool 360 degree feedbacks are often unfortunately used as a retaliatory mechanism now the original goal of a 360 degree feedback was to ensure comfort that people can freely speak their mind but the tricky question is how do you Ensure that when they speak freely, they are being factual. Basis what? How do you ensure that that is not being retaliatory in nature? Just the same retaliation that you fear from a manager, right? That people often don't speak against a manager in fear of retaliation. Maybe he will uh, destroy my appraisals, or maybe she will do this, or something. That's a retaliatory mechanism, and rightfully so, there should be forums to express or counter that mechan- that um, unfortunate uh, situation, it is the reverse of it is also possible, where a team can be in a situation where they can retaliate against the manager even if the situation is not accurate. And so in this case, Cersei makes the most of it, that's the dangerous part. She trusts the point of view of reps over her directs. And by doing so, she causes a rift in the team. 70-80% of the team fear that, well, if the senior manager is liaising with us directly, then, well, we can talk to her directly. And why worry? And therefore, they have a sense of power that comes to them, right? They have a sense of... I am above the law of the land. I therefore can equate myself with my manager. And if my manager doesn't go away, then how will I become a manager? And these kind of thoughts creep in, whereas their simple focus should be on focus on your external customers. Do the business, do the role. And by this repeated activity, she ensures that there is the direct report is constricted or sandwiched in between and not being able to justify what is causing the the rift in the team whereas there is this part of team which believes in this manager's capability and he they are risking their careers in some sense to uh, align with the manager instead of their manager's manager What it does is, what's the net of the story in all this complexity is that it becomes a toxic environment. It becomes a politically charged toxic environment with very little to do with what the customer is thinking outside. It's very sad because nobody is a winner in this, in the real sense, while somebody might get to keep their job in their role. And as is the case, people with power generally tend to prevail despite all this incompetencies and anomalies. But what the company loses is good talent, good, strong talent. Yes, the same talent that they spent six months to hire with five rounds of interviews, with four rounds of verifications and three rounds of this and two rounds of that. After crossing hundreds of candidates and filtering out the top talent, a top talent is wasted by such unfortunate circumstances. And that is a loss to the business. It's unfortunate that this happens much more and it's quite prevalent uh, than one can imagine. And it's not reported as much, unfortunately, by the reasons mentioned above. So you see this complex Game of Thrones plays out in many, many organizations in many shapes, sizes or forms whether it is Cersei Lannister or the Mad King, uh, whether it is a Tyrion Lannister or Peter Baelish, some of the support casts add fuel to the fire, some try to quench uh, the fire by putting some water and so on and so forth. But the net result is not beneficial for the company because of such dangerous and incompetent leaders at the upper echelons of management because they set the tone. And while I won't labor on the point further, but it's important for you to realize that there are many variants to the examples that I gave you. The incompetencies show up in multiple ways. It could be in appraisals, business reviews, it could be in day-to-day interactions, it could be in campaigns or any other ways and means that Cersei gets to establish a connect so it could manifest in multiple ways. So watch out for these telltale signs. And so that said, if you are the Tyrion Lannister who reports into such a Cersei Lannister, what can you do? What is it that you do to keep yourself protected and as well navig- insulated What is your insurance policy? How do you navigate within the organization and tide over this? So, here are three things that you need to be mindful of if you are in a similar situation where you are caught in the middle of a muddle as it were. Number one, always, always remind yourself this too shall pass. This, what is happening to you is a time-bound activity. Why? In most cases, leadership roles often revolve at the three-year mark, two years, three years, in some cases, little more. But around the three-year mark, they would ideally change the role and move on to someplace else. In fact, the reverse of it is if your senior management has not moved in three, four or five years, maybe they are not getting another role that could be an indication as well. So take cognizance of their career trajectory and tenure in the role and remind yourself that if the person has already spent two years, three years in the role, then perhaps it's about a year more before they move out. What it does to you is that, you know, you mentally recalibrate your patience levels and your tolerance levels and see if you can bide your time. Now, as Number two uh, is like a, gives me the perfect segue into that. Being in denial is also not good, right? You keep on waiting for this person to move, but the person doesn't move. And you get increasingly sucked into the uh, toxic environment and it damages your confidence, right? It damages your happiness above anything else. So question yourself, is it worth it? Perhaps not. So, is it difficult to find another role, another job in another company? Yes, it is. But is it impossible? Answer is no. So, don't lose hope. Remind yourself, if you were good enough to get hired here, you will be good enough to get hired elsewhere. Simple. If you were not good in the first place, by good I mean competent, able, capable, then you wouldn't have crossed 200 candidates five interviews, four this and three that and landed this role in the first place. And so back yourself even if nobody backs you. Don't worry about what people say. Cut them out as noise. Listen to your inner voice that you are a good resource. End of story. There's no further, don't extrapolate any further than that. So back yourself. Number three, always have a plan B Leader in place. So, if you had Cersei at the top, can you find your Daenerys somewhere else? Look for that Daenerys Targaryen in some other lob, perhaps. Make and uh, try and reach out to them as a as a request to get mentored. You know, have a outlet, a vent, as it were, where you are. You have somebody listening to your situation from a neutral point in mind chances are you know if they are at a similar level they would know exactly what you're suggesting or saying word of caution there be careful before you choose a mentor right you have to be very circumspect you can't just pick anybody and everybody and lo and behold if you picked uh, Jamie Lannister <laughs> as uh, your mentor, who's you know very similar to Cersei in some sense, then you're pretty much doomed. So the idea is to be as far away yet at the same level. And that's the complexity of finding a mentor in an organization. It helps if you're in a larger organization, but slightly more difficult if you're in a smaller organization. So try these three things. Perhaps this will be better help you to manage such tricky situations. Now, word of caution, not always will this work. Sometimes it backfires and that's where your professional resilience, your strength of mind will need to take you through the situation. Remember, capitalism and fairness seldom go together. Nobody in in your career fraternity, that you ask anybody, there will not be a single person who will say, you know, my entire career has been like a walk in the park. 95 to 98%, if not more, will say that, look, this is the time I got really lucky, but there have been more instances where I've perhaps been a touch unlucky. I was just not there at the right time, at the right place. And... This situation escaped me or I was in a situation which was beyond me. I just couldn't do anything about it. Each and every person will have this story or variants of the story. Just like you do, just like I do, just like anybody else does. So you are not alone in this. So remind yourself that it's okay if shit has hit the fan. You also need to get a move on. For, don't try to solve everything. Don't take up the laborious task of boiling the ocean go look for an alternative role preferably in another department where you can start with counters reset get a buy-in of some of the stakeholders with whom you have done a good job and they are favorable connect the dots with them and say look i need you to back me on this and remind yourself that in all corporate fraternity corporate world People want to work with those people that they like working with, and therefore they will back them because at some point the subtext is that you will land up working with a set of people where there are least contradictions or least frictions, and it's a harmonious team, as it were. And it's a you, you're privileged and lucky if you do manage to get that. Uh, so, while on one hand that is great, on the other hand if there is no friction then the team never grows because if you don't question then how does the business grow if everybody's thinking the same then somebody is not thinking right and therefore who is watching out for the iceberg which is just ahead so if you're the titanic and you're at the you're the captain you need two other people sometimes to you know come and alert you that look we might need to change course even though it might go against the contra the popular opinion so as you see, right, this is not a simple black and white situation. When this is management, isn't this what you wished for? And if you're an individual contributor listening to this, well, welcome to the gray side. I won't even call it the dark side. Perhaps it's the dark gray side, if you will. This is what it is. And right or wrong, good or bad, but this is what you've got to handle, manage, navigate, as and when you get into the senior management or middle management over the years. I are you ready for it? And so in conclusion, you know, I'll remind you of the classic cliche. Beware what you wish for. Sometimes it just comes true. You know, you've always pushed for, wished for getting into management, senior management or top management all your careers. And Oftentimes, I've come across people once they have entered into the complexity of senior management, they are completely clueless. Like, what do I do now? So, beware what you wish for, and be ready uh, that if tomorrow that becomes a reality, then you assume a role where you can defend yourself. Can you become the John Snow? and prevail or would you be some of those side characters I don't even remember the names now but who also fought and also ran and then eventually perished away so good luck with your career and good luck managing the complexity that awaits you while you enter into a management role. Well, that's all for now. I hope you had a good time listening as much as I had sharing these thoughts. And if you did, do tune in to the other episodes of Bus Talk. Yes, you could share them on Facebook or Twitter and with especially those who might appreciate similar content. And if you need to talk to me or reach out to me, you can use the Twitter handle, hashtag Gyanban, spelt as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N, one word, or email me on gyanban at gmail.com. Again, spelt as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N. Be sure to tune in next week. There is a fascinating episode coming up for you. Till we meet again, stay safe, be well, and bring your A-game to work. Ciao.